0: Wow.
1: All right. And that was once again, the ferocious Phil Rafalco to kick off this show. Another episode of the Marxism podcast. I'm not going to bother introducing myself because if you don't know me by now, you're a lost cause. But today we are now... Going to be talking about the post midterm election well the midterm election results so uh phil the last person to talk about this on my podcast mm-hmm. what did you think about the uh
0: results of
1: this midterm election
0: i was actually a little surprised that the result in the senate wasn't closer there were a few up-and-comers that I thought might have uh, eked out a winning. For example, uh, Beto O'Rourke in Texas. Because I know Ted Cruz is not the most popular man in America right now on either side. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Democrats were poised to retake the House. Yeah. There's a lot of... This is backlash against Trump, right? Yeah, of And course. his administration. So a few very interesting people. On the Democratic side now, we have scientists, we have Democratic socialists, we have lots of people that I guess are winning symbolic victories for multiculturalism and for women in office and young people in office. Sure. So I think it's it's definitely exciting times for people who are interested in seeing something new.
1: Yeah, well, I guess to back things up, uh, during the midterm elections, I guess the Republicans really pushed for lower taxes and jobs while the Democrats were very focused on Obamacare and, and keeping that, mm-hmm. and uh, amongst other things, just uh, opposing opposing Trump. And w- my personal prediction, I thought the Republicans were going to hold on. That's what I said in the last episode. I did. I, I think I said both. And they only held on to one. And the reason why I was just kind of surprised by that was because I find that the GOP operates in very sly ways like they can just pull things out of the bag. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's why I was a little surprised by that. But there are some uh very interesting uh people who got elected in, especially into the house. So looking here, apparently from the eight candidates, four of them were women, five trained as engineers, while the three remaining have medical backgrounds as a pediatrician, dentist, and a nurse. And that's pretty significant considering how much they or how much uh, the Republicans try to are, are anti-science, I guess you could say. Not anti-science, yeah. but they don't follow facts as accurately.
0: They, it's not that they're against the concept of science, but they're against science as an institution having any sort of influence over society oh, and politics. Correct.
1: Oh, anything, anything, a scientific fact that hinders their...
0: Objective. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, people can make the same argument, I guess, on the left with Democrats about economics and people saying how sure. you know, they'll do anything to circumvent uh, free market policies, which, you know, at times may be true. You always have to weigh what your goals are, what your desired outcomes are. You know, are you more concerned about? following a particular method or way of knowing the world or do you just want to get stuff done yeah
1: right well i guess the the democrats big push too is and i'm sure republicans also on the other side about how to tackle climate change and universal health care is of course a massive massive issue in the states yeah so let's talk about some people who got elected in shall we So we have, looking at this list, you have Shaughnessy Naughton, president and co-founder of 314 Action, a pressure group founded in 2016. And Joe Cunningham, a former ocean engineer who is now an environmental lawyer and became the first Democrat in more than 35 years to represent a constituency in South Carolina. Hmm. We have Bill Foster, Illinois Democrat, who remains the only physicist in Congress. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a quite a thing to put on your resume. Yeah. And we have Rush Holt, a plasma physicist, plasma. And former Democratic congressman who now heads the American Association for the Advancement of Science. So some... In this list, it says Bill Foster, the old, who remains the only physicist in Congress. But then wasn't, didn't I just read that Rush Holt of plasma physicist? The article miss. I wouldn't get
0: too hung up about the details. Yeah, I guess It, it might not, be fake news.
1: Yeah, who knows. <laughs> Anyways, I just, kind of weird how they laid that out. So, very science-oriented people. Really yeah. Interesting thing to go with. And uh, do you think that is kind of a uh, slap back to the Republicans for having these sorts of people in or no?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I'm not sure why they're making a distinction between a scientist and a plasma physicist. But then again, I'm not a plasma physicist, so I'm not going to bother trying to explain that one. Definitely not. But, um, you know, it's exciting news. It shouldn't be exciting news you know in this day and age but it is nonetheless exciting that we have people that believe in climate change in 2018 well in office
1: the majority of people probably do it's just they don't get the attention
0: right and i think honestly like this is just my personal perhaps cynical opinion but i think most republicans who are against doing anything about climate change still believe in it i think they understand it conceptually They're just unwilling to do anything about it because they don't feel its personal effects on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard to empathize with, I don't know, a Pacific Islander whose home is in danger of being flooded due to rising water levels. When you live in a nice house in a manicured neighborhood uh, that's not under threat of any natural disaster, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but definitely. People people of science do worry about that stuff as a principle, right? So I think if these are principled people who really want to get stuff done and they push for significant changes, not only action and climate change, but maybe uh, more public awareness, more focus on education about science, um, the state's rights issue always comes up when you know, certain school boards in certain states want to teach creationism in public schools in a science class. Mm. I don't remember what the term is. I think intelligent design. Okay. This is a, a term used, I don't know who coined it, but it's a term used in order to try to fuse creationism and evolution as some kind of religious scientific thing Basically saying like, okay, so the laws of science might be right, but God made them. Sure. Right. And uh, I don't know.
1: That's a common thing
0: said. Yeah. But the thing is they're teaching this in science class and they're inserting religion and politics into science. Teaching science in science class is not telling people you shouldn't believe in God. Maybe some people will naturally come to that conclusion from studying science. No one's putting a gun to your head in science class and saying, throw away your old ways. They're just trying to give you knowledge, man. Like, you can take it or leave it.
1: Well, there are... Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And uh, when you try to, I guess, distort facts that are just absolute truths, that's when things get a little dicey. So there is kind of political gridlock after this midterm election. So you have a Democrat House of Congress, Republican Senate. How much do you think that's going to affect passing things? I imagine quite a bit.
0: Yeah... I think so.
1: Yeah. So even though there's a lot of hype, or not hype, uh, excitement over the Democrats' uh, victory in the House, there was still that part of me where I was like, "Uh, you know. Because in Canada, the Senate is appointed, whereas the House of Commons are elected. But in the States, both are elected. I believe so. Yeah. So if both are elected... So here in Canada, I guess if they're appointed they're not going to reject something passed by an elected legislature. Whereas in the states, if they're both both elected, they kind of have the same weight. Um, Would you agree or disagree with that?
0: Uh, there's more variables than that. So, I mean, they're both... The Senate is an upper house. Correct. So they have more power to... Honestly, I don't know the exact kind of specifics of what the Senate in the U.S. can or cannot do. But they definitely, like, they can throw commissions. All these commissions we've been seeing, these investigations of uh, Facebook, of Brett Kavanaugh, of anyone else you can think of, they have to go through the Senate, right? right? So these are a lot of major sticking points that are still coming up. Like the Mueller investigation, I think will at some point have to go through the Senate. And the fact that it's still Republican controlled means that the Democrats can't just blitz everything they want through. They definitely have more space to breathe, but senators are going to have to pass stuff. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough with this. Tough for any of them to get anything done, I think. it might. It's too early to say whether it will definitely increase the gridlock. The gridlock's already so high.
1: Yes, correct. I would agree. I think most people would. But I, you know, in a way, there was a part of me that felt like it was more so after this. It was definitely a, a win the Democrats needed in order to get their influence back into government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Trump declared it a major victory, which is a pretty delusional claim, I would say definitely not a major victory but every everything's great you know when um i guess he he says that partially just to i don't know why do you think he says that to to make sure that there's a certain amount of confidence in the administration
0: yeah i mean it's building hype like hype yeah i think the doomsday sayers would say that this is like a slip towards authoritarianism and he's building a cult of personality around himself where everything that trump does is great i mean i think it's a little too early to call trump the next Stalin. uh you made the hitler
1: comparison last uh last episode i did um i
0: did indirectly (laughs) i said i don't like them and i don't like to use them there are just some parallels that are frightening but there are also many more parallels about american society in general or more points about American society in general that, you know, give me hope that there's still a lot of diversity of thought in the U S and it's not all going to hell in a handbasket right now. No, no, I don't think so. It, in a
1: weird way, I'm actually after seeing a guy like Trump get in and the, one of the major criticisms in the States is the rigidity of the constitution. There's a part of me that kind of understands why it is so rigid now, mm-hmm. you know, I think they, I think, uh, Maybe the founding fathers were on to something.
0: Yeah, they were wise.
1: Well, because a lot of other governments, they can bend a lot of things, whereas the Constitution remains in America, right?
0: Yeah. At the same point, nothing is absolute, right? You can't build your society to be so inflexible so that you follow the interpretations of a set of rules that were handed out centuries ago. Mm-hmm. right um, communications media social media has vastly changed how we communicate yeah. right the first yeah. amendment means something so different over twitter than it does over uh, physical presence and a speech in a rally not that those don't still exist but now you have private corporations these are all private corporations remember even in the day before technology and the internet Uh, I mean, the newspaper is a form of technology before digital technology, right? The newspaper was usually owned by a corporation, Randolph, William Randolph Hearst, the guy uh, most famous for trying to repress marijuana because hemp business would have put his newspaper business out. You know, he cracked down hard on people trying to dissent against the opinions that were being disseminated in his newspaper uh, and said while we have the free speech to say whatever we want in our newspaper. And people are still doing that to these to this day, whether it's on CNN or on Twitter or anything else. You know, there's so much more gray now. There's so many ways we can communicate. Mm-hmm. It's just one example. And every way is different. And that means you have, to have a different interpretation of the constitutions. I'm going to go back to my example from last podcast. It's just the noise. Oh,
1: God. I'm going <laughs> down there, huh? uh yeah i would agree in regards to definitely a lot of gray zones out of curiosity william randolph hearst did he use his like was his newspaper made of like hemp fibers because i know the declaration of independence was it
0: was which is ironic no so my understanding is that did
1: he oppose it or was
0: he he opposed it? it okay that's what i thought you said right yeah okay so just to be clear he was a major figure he was a newspaper baron yeah. For lack of a better word, he was a major figure in trying to pass the criminalization of marijuana.
1: Right, which is ironic since the Declaration of Independence, with the First Amendment, has a uh, has that on there.
0: I've met more than a few four twenty people who like to bring that fact up. Yeah, I actually
1: didn't know <laughs> that. I didn't know that. So that's uh, that's you learn learn something new every day, huh? Yeah, or you try to at least. Yeah. So. What other major things, I guess, happened as a result of this midterm election? I'm trying to think.
0: The dust is still settling. I think the Democrats right now are going in the same vein as the Trudeau and the Liberals in Canada. And they're right. really going to try to play the symbolic representation card. And they're going to say, look at the record. Not that this is not important. They're going to say the record amount of, like I said before, women, young people, people of different backgrounds, scientists, you know, uh, people of color. All of these are record numbers. Oh, for well, 2018 yeah, yeah Well, they said midterms. F-
1: yeah, they said four of the four of the eight candidates were women. So that's pretty. Symbolic. The scientist ones. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty symbolic, as a result of. Um, and it's sorry. Especially like Clinton, not getting in uh becoming elected as president so that's or yeah. and then using um and then using the science card of course so and three people having medical backgrounds you know in support of obamacare so yeah you're right you're they're already doing the sim- symbolic card
0: yeah so it's it's nice that you don't have for example like just women being one category, like this is intersectional, right? The diversity is everywhere. The scientists are women as well. It's not like they're just putting women in as like some random category, and then all the scientists are men and all the interesting no, professions are not. men, they, right? They obviously have merit. so they have this figured out, which is great. My worry is that the kind of alt right, not even alt right because a lot of people aren't even like far right or whatever. My worry is just like that people don't like the symbolic representation card and they're just going to, there's going to be backlash. And then, you know, people on the right are going to say like, well, all you care about is diversity. You don't care about my interests. And then people on the other side are going to be like, well, that's because none of you care about our interests, right? And this disconnect and this lack of dialogue that I think is poisoning the waterhole is going to keep continuing.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: that's my that's my worst case scenario. Right. Prediction. Actually, so, no. Worst case is like so people are not gonna war, like the but...
1: symbolic card. They're not gonna grab it. What's the word? Virtue signaling. Is that the word? virtue signaling? Yeah. Is that the word? Like that people throw around? Is that kind of what they yeah. mean by it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you think that it's gonna. Well, I mean, they say that Obama was the most politically correct president uh, in American history. Do you think it's going to make another 180 into a Trudeau-esque Obama sort of uh, ordeal, I guess? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't want to be held to an answer to this, to be honest. That's fair enough.
1: It's (laughs) it's a pretty heavy-loaded question. I think... uh, I mean, the debate on free speech and political correctness is just—it's such a hot topic all the time. So that, it's yeah. so, and everyone has their own interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear kind of not a debate necessarily, but a discussion on this, they—I watched a thing on the BBC um, not long ago where that this conversation came up. It's a very British organized debate too. It was like you had your time to talk and then shut up, and, so and so <laughs> but. Uh, I think they made some interesting points in regards to free speech that we don't often uh, make over here. Maybe Such not as? so much in Canada, but in America. Well, it's not just about being able to say whatever you want. One of one of the people said this. It's also you can say whatever you want, but in a in a more civilized uh, manner with civil discourse, where uh, equal people or people have equal amount of like time to say certain things. Whereas rather than just yelling over someone mm-hmm. and speaking extremely um, explicitly, I guess the word is, is that the right word? I don't know what the right word is.
0: Candidly, perhaps. Or forthright. Forthright. I like that word. Yeah,
1: okay. So it's kind of an interesting take on it, which I don't think is really talked about in American news, free uh, to me at least, but I could be wrong.
0: So American news media always tries to play to the lowest common denominator. This is why CNN and Fox News are the most popular outlets. Basically, American culture... So British culture, by comparison, that kind of, I don't want to say aristocratic, but very culturally conservative, uh, preserve the tradition mentality, yeah. is so prevalent especially in academic institutions in the UK. Right. And so when they have a debate on free speech it's going to be very posh and intellectualized. Yeah. Whereas in the US the culture is very classically liberal. It's very much about liberating oneself from those traditional structures and that often in today's terms gets interpreted as the commoner, the common person. Saying a big "fu" to the man, saying, "Well, this is what I think. My free speech is me saying whatever the hell I want. Right. I don't need your debate. I don't need your opinion. I don't need your philosophy. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Which is basically, which is kind of, yeah. Lowest common denominator. I think is a is a better way of putting it, where. It's like anyone can say what they want. You know, it's kind of weird. I think it's Germany or Netherlands. I forget which country where in political debates for who's ever going to get elected, they give them a certain amount of time to talk. And then if they exceed that time limit, their mic gets cut. <laughs> Could you imagine that having happened over uh, the, the like American presidential
0: election? Oh, man. That
1: would never fly. It I don't wouldn't. think it would. I don't think it would. People
0: would lose their shit.
1: Yeah. I forget which country it is. I want to say it's Germany, but it could be the Netherlands anyways. So um, I think that's also an interesting way to... I think that's such a good compromise too. Because if you have absolute free speech, you could just say whatever you want and talk over anyone anytime you want. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But being able to control it that way is kind of a smart idea. Because you get a bit of best of both worlds. And it also controls, tells that person to say what they... Need to say that's most likely going to be politically related instead of just saying, like, oh, I'm not a puppet, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, uh, like what was happening the last presidential election that everyone saw, yeah.
0: So, actually, so here's the biggest thing about post midterm we're on the second half of the cycle, president wise, which means. The candidates are going to start coming out of the woodwork. The parties are going to start declaring support. It's two years away, but I guarantee you Mm -hmm. this gigantic exercise in political theater is going to commence very shortly. Right. And it's going to start within the parties. The new candidates that just came in are already going to start lining up behind their favorites. Uh, You know, I really hope that someone who became a congressperson or senator doesn't run and spend only two years in their position and Mm. not even being there half the time at that. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone did do that. I mean, Obama was a senator. Correct. Pretty fresh senator. Yeah. He became elected president.
1: Yeah, that's right. So hmm, that's an interesting thing. Who is going to come out of the woodwork now as running? Well, then the Democrats need someone.
0: Yeah. And it's not going
1: to be Kanye West. No. No, and that's an excellent point. And we're not going to have Kim Kardashian as first lady. That's not going to happen.
0: I am not disappointed. But now
1: that I say I'm not, saying it's not going to happen, you know, people did say the same thing about Trump. So you got to gotta be careful about that one. Could you imagine that? Um, could you imagine the inauguration of Kanye West? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus.
1: Like the, you know how he was like the, the uh, you know, the president uh, you know, gives all like handshakes after the speech and after they do the oath and all that. And yeah, you just see the transition from Trump
0: to Kanye West.
1: That'd be shocking.
0: I mean, like, they seem to be on the same wavelength a little bit. They're on that, you know, maverick wavelength. Yeah. John McCain's probably turning in his grave. Yep. For reusing the term maverick to describe himself. Yeah.
1: Actually, I was reading a thing. It was something like, I think John McCain had like the lowest. Uh, lowest amount of funding for a party when he was running for president, and Obama had one of the highest. I think Obama had like the first billion-dollar uh, campaign in history, or something like that. So not even surprised. Interesting, eh? What a what a time, huh? So you know, we talked a bit about the Monk debates last episode, and. Uh, I didn't watch it actually, but I do, I heard about the results, which was it did, uh, people's opinions did not change <laughs> in, the, in the crowd that is. Right. Yeah. so Why is that? I don't know. I think people, uh, I guess in regards to feelings towards Steve Bannon were very firm in their minds on how they stood. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my brother-in-law actually went to the uh, Monk debate. He got invited for his, I think work or something like that. He said it was interesting. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Apparently for everyone who is going into the auditorium, uh, everyone, uh, the protesters called everyone a Nazi. Of course. Which uh, I don't know how much that helps, but anything really. But uh, it's interesting. People are very passionate about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to... See, here's the thing. I understand the, dis- the slow march towards fascism argument. But at the same time, you shouldn't be calling anyone willy nilly a Nazi. You should probably save that for like people who are openly Nazis, which like, unfortunately, there are some of those people out there right now.
1: Yeah, yeah perhaps. So that um, that was pretty interesting to hear from him. Uh, and I know I've also heard some people make the criticism that, uh, a lot of those debates, they, they want, you, you should try to get the polar opposites to debate each other. And some people say, what's his name? David Frum. Yep. Yeah. Um, is not the polar opposite of Steve Bannon. Uh, I don't, I know very little about him. He
0: worked for Bush as a policy advisor regarding, I don't remember what, but uh we can look this up.
1: Perhaps yeah. Go right, go right ahead.
0: Yeah. So David Frum was apparently a speechwriter for George W. Bush, uh, and he kind of tried to channel the message of, I guess, what people would call the neoconservative movement, right? Like the uh, the big business, but also pro-war, but also socially, socially conservative yeah, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. nexus. That was definitely a thing in the early 2000s. Right. Right. Hmm. Before the alt-right made their entry onto the stage. He, uh, yeah, so
1: I, I, if he, you know what would be interesting being a speech writer? I think that would be a fascinating job. I think that kind of be fun.
0: It would be fun. It would probably be very stressful.
1: Yeah, because every word is going to be looked at. Yeah. Every, and, and people will take it. In many different ways right could be but a lot of responsibility, but it could it would it would be an interesting interesting gig so he was a speechwriter, huh
0: yeah, I wonder if he wrote the speech that Bush had to give right after nine eleven who imagine that yeah,
1: I bet you he probably probably did if he was a speechwriter for the whole for the administration for eight years hmm but uh, or what about or what about the mission accomplished
0: one? Mission accomplished. That was my favorite one. Yeah, that got, that doesn't scream red, white, and blue. <laughs> that the the fallout from that definitely catapulted John Stewart's career.
1: Yeah, the one thing he definitely couldn't have written. Well, it's not even a speech. But you know, remember when he got the shoe thrown at oh. him, and he was like, "I didn't see who the guy was, but I know he was a size nine. I don't think yeah. that was a clever clever line of Bush. One of the few, arguably.
0: See, people always criticized Bush as not being the most intelligent president, but he was... He could have been snappy when the time came. Yeah, I think he he had his moments. His moments, moments for sure. Uh, And he dodged that shoe excellently. Like, he was fit to dodge that shoe.
1: Yeah, it uh, it was a good throw, too. Good distance. Yeah. But he... Yeah, you're right. He uh, he moved out. He, uh, Imagine if had he had gotten hit. hit by the shoe. I bet you he would have played it off perfectly fine, to be honest with you. You don't think the... You know how he kind of has that smirky kind of like... <laughs> he he would have pulled one of those. I think it would have been fine if he got hit.
0: You don't think the... Like, people would Laugh. escalate so hard so fast and probably, like, kill the guy who threw the shoe? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, he got... He got pretty much tackled didn't he in that room yeah and then i imagine well since memes and and all those things weren't really that big of a deal man if he did get hit imagine trump getting hit by a shoe
0: (laughs) and the meme fuel
1: yeah the all that going down i mean do you see the one where he's uh he's uh trump is walking up to air force one and he had a piece of toilet paper stuck to his shoe Mm Mm-hmm. yeah like how much that was yeah that was just material but getting hit by a shoe would be far bigger than toilet paper being stuck to your shoe yeah so these are this is low-hanging fruit it is low-hanging fruit well you can't even get away with anything though there's like moments where where melania didn't hold donald's hand and you go well i don't actually care but if that's what you're focused on okay yeah sure I mean- if it was Kanye, it's gonna be worse. Can you imagine? Yeah. What would you think his campaign song would be? Like Monster? <laughs> He'd pick one of his own campaign songs. Oh, for,
0: for sure. sure. I'm t- I'm I don't know Kanye's catalog well enough to be honest. Like after the first two albums, I just didn't get it anymore. Yeah. Jesus Walks was my jam for a while. Actually, but... that
1: would be the one. He would yeah. use that one for his campaign song.
0: For sure. And then on his birthday every year it would be the birthday song with two chains?
1: I don't know. Oh yeah, I do know that song. <laughs> right. Is that the? uh yeah, I do know that song. Is that the one where they're dressed in like boxes? Like they have a very boxy up no, no,
0: and No, no, no. That's uh that's the new one with Lil Pump.
1: Okay. All right. I think I've heard the birthday song, but can't I don't I don't pay attention to it Lil, try not to. Lil Pump is something else. Okay. I don't but... think
0: that's even if the bar for presidential set quite low, that uh, is still not going to get that low.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What a
0: world. Unless it's ironic, that's the thing. Mm. The all all of these elections now, like irony, is a real factor in electing people. Right. Which is really weird if you think about it, but like you just kind of have to accept it.
1: Well, I do know. I remember hearing Steven Tyler talk about on a podcast how uh, I don't know if Donald Trump ended up using "Dream On" as one of his campaign. I remember songs. a
0: debacle about that.
1: Yeah, there was a, there was some sort of thing. Anyways, he was he was saying absolutely no, you can't use it. But I th- I'm pretty sure when Donald Trump won, when he got elected as uh, president, he used the uh, song "We Are the Champions" by Queen, mm-hmm. and it got got me thinking. I have a tough time imagining the uh, members of Queen who are still alive being okay with that. I don't know if they cared or not. Who knows? But if Steven Tyler cared about Dream On, mm-hmm. I'm amazed that like Brian May or Roger Taylor didn't care about We Are The Champions. But who knows? So who is it? And those sorts of things wouldn't be
0: problems if Kanye West got, ele- got elected <laughs> because he would just use his own songs because he owns them. Yeah. Well, there you go. There if you needed a better merger of economic and political power, look no further than Kanye West 2020. And his speeches will be so unstable. <laughs> he won't have a speechwriter. No one's good enough for Kanye. You don't he's going to wing it.
1: Spe- no, they'll have a speechwriter. Yeah. He. Kn- I think he kind of knows that he's not smart enough.
0: It's she not knows. about smart. It's kind of just the system, right? Perhaps. You need... Uh, you need to follow enough rules of the system to be socially acceptable to enough people that you won't immediately get removed for Mm -hmm. being an incompetent oaf. Mm. And like a lot of people think Trump is an incompetent oaf, but he still manages to rally enough people behind him and get, get, you know, get the white house in enough working order. Even if there's a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes to kind of, keep that ball rolling Yeah, and it's gonna keep rolling. Oh, it, it rolls. <laughs> yeah. So
1: midterms, it's gonna be interesting what happens. And we have a bunch of smart scientists in, uh, what do you think about this? You know how people were always like, why would you ever elect Trump as president? He's not even a politician, but a lot of people elected scientists who are smarter, yeah, in political
0: positions. Jimmy Carter wasn't a politician. Ronald Reagan wasn't a politician. I agree, yeah. Uh, The founding fathers... There's
1: loads who aren't.
0: Yeah. Uh, Robert McNamara,
1: who was... uh, What was he? Secretary of State, right? For... Uh, Who was it? Why am I blanking? Anyways, Secretary of State for someone. Wasn't he... uh, He was on... He he played a big role in uh, Ford. Ford uh, automobiles. So...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are loads who aren't. It's kind of. Uh,
0: I was just looking up
1: Yeah,
0: sorry. I was just looking up Robert McNamara, Lyndon B. Johnson, and was, JFK.
1: Okay, that yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. I, so. mean, I think most. I most know. people that become. President are not career politicians. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people that make it into Congress probably don't aspire to be career politicians, but the system brings them in. So I was reading something really interesting. I don't remember her name, but she's apparently the youngest congressperson ever elected. Oh. Uh, Alexandra something Cortez. Oscario Cortez. Ocasio Cortez
1: three times the charm
0: yeah sorry i remembered the first name but i had to look it up yeah so she is 29 years old it's pretty young she has been mistaken as a white house intern several times even though she is an elected official representative
1: imagine that every day
0: yeah representative elect for new york's 14th congressional district so sorry what state new york's yeah okay Um, so yeah, just like imagine, imagine the, the storm that's going to surround this person's career. I mean, 29 is very young for a lot of careers. Like most people don't even establish themselves in law or medicine or anywhere else, let alone politics at that age. Yeah. A very accomplished Um, person. Clearly is she, you know, does she have it in her? To be part of the system for the next 30, 40, 50, God knows how long years. It's true. Or is it going to wring her out like a towel?
1: Yeah. I bet you'd be pretty tired after a few years. At the same time, though, there's clearly a lot of confidence in her. Yeah. Well, she's one of those up and comers, right? Yeah. She's
0: one of those like. uh...
1: So that's interesting. You'll probably be seeing her in the future. Who knows if she's already starting this early, there might be a good chance she'll run for president at one point. Well,
0: it's definitely the whole, like her whole life still ahead of her politically. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on you, Ms. Cortez.
0: Yeah, good luck. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sorry,
1: Senator or House of...
0: Representative. Okay. House of Repre- yep. Yep. Representatives. Gotcha. So it's going to be interesting.
1: Huh. Someone to look out for.
0: Yeah. So I think she's one of those kind of you know, democratic socialist aspiring types. Okay. One of the rally the people big talk makes sense, she's younger. types. Yeah. I mean like I don't think she's all talk. I'm sure she has ideas as well. But what I'm saying is that, you know, if the demographic shift mm-hmm. that is purported to be symbolically important Yeah in this election actually manifests materially then yeah, we're gonna see some some new stuff from this congress in the next two years Mm -hmm. like hopefully not just gridlock whether whether it'll be chaos or order who knows whether the democratic party embraces all these people or not who knows but yeah definitely some possibilities for a lot of new policies around like you said obamacare climate change other aspects of social welfare education yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot all right want to wrap this bad
1: boy up All right. Well, everyone, hopefully you learned something. Thanks for joining us, whoever decides to listen to this. And uh, in the meantime, check out, of course, the Marxism podcast. And uh, uh, we're also on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Subscribe, follow, like, share, do anything that helps me out. And in the meantime, we are out of here.
0: Peace.